Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First. We're a podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner. And we suddenly remember that we should be recording right in the middle of finding out that Lucky Charms has lore. <laughs> yep, so um, I guess we're putting that on the list. Yeah. Breakfast cereal that's going to get a cartoon. Man, is this like 1989, I guess, or? Well, um, no, wait, 1975. I know, but like... Giving a breakfast cereal, a kid's breakfast cereal cartoon seems a very 80s thing. Oh yeah, probably. Um, hang on. When was Lucky the Leprechaun introduced? No, it was created in 1963. Wait a second. The mascot of Lucky Charms, created in 1963, is Lucky the Leprechaun, also known as Sir Charms. (laughs) But the cereal was introduced in 1964. So it's like they decided... So some company, General Mills made a leprechaun mascot and then had to wait to figure out what kind of cereal he was going to represent. Yeah. Uh, it's all weird. So anyway, Tanner, uh, do you want to know what we're rebooting this week? Uh, I, I already know, but you can tell me anyways. <laughs> it's a TV show. It's a Canadian classic. It's a buddy cop show called Due South. Yes, I, I figured that out when you gave the hint because... Yeah. Uh, I only know two works that have Mounties in them, and I was pretty <laughs> sure it was not Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> no, but Brendan Fraser kind of is Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> Wait, was Brendan Fraser in No, no, but the character's name is Benton Fraser. Oh, Benton. Oh, that's not confusing at all. Benton Fraser. I know. <laughs> is Fraser a really common Canadian surname? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised given like all of the Scottish immigration here. I feel like I've seen so many Frasers, at least throughout history. Is there a Fraser River? Yes, there is. Yeah, I know that my name is, my last name is in the top 10 here in Canada. Oh, there's my last name. It's number 51. Good job. I'm probably way down at the bottom. (laughs) Top 200? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are a decent amount of Vogel sayings in Canada. Because my grandparents liked to breed. <laughs> the way that one of my great uncles always described it was that they had 14 kids so that there were spares. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the, no, that that is what happened because yeah. well, they they needed them because two like were just lost in the wind or something. Yeah, Um. on the turn side of the family, there was like nine... One of them got kidnapped at one point, and they got a girl back, but she <laughs> definitely wasn't Gertrude. <laughs> they Did they get a changeling? Yes, they got a changeling! <laughs> Nothing in my family tree... Nothing in my family tree can compare to any of the wildness that yours has experienced. <laughs> Let's see. On the uh, Friesen side, so this is kind of a couple generations back in the old country. Well, I shouldn't be saying that with a Russian accent. They were more German, but it's living in country. Russia. Um, so anyway, uh, great-great-grandma Agoneta was married to this one dude who is my great-great-grandfather biologically. They had, like, ten kids. Their two eldest daughters died, like, right away. They were both named Katrina, too. <laughs> God. My family was one of them Katrina. renamed after the first one died? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're Katrina now. We're going to have a daughter named Katrina. The first one didn't work out, so now you're Katrina. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's how it worked. After the second one dies, I think the name is cursed. Yeah. So there's only, like, ten names that Mennonites can use, apparently. <laughs> um. So they immigrate to Canada. The ones- Hang on, are Mennonites the ones who always name their kids after, like, Bible verses or something? Uh, that might be the Amish. Mennonites tend to have very German names. Okay. Yeah, so, like, Katrina, Agoneta, Elizabeth, Helena, Jacob, Johann, Dieter! Oh, God, the Dieters. <laughs> yeah, they're little Dieters in my family. So, anyway, they immigrate, 
They immigrate to Canada. They lose two more kids along the way. And then 17 days after settling in Plum Coulee, Manitoba, great-great-grandpa drops dead. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everything everything settled? Everyone's sorted out? Okay, great. Peace. (laughs) So then... Grandma Agonetta marries another dude named Heinrich, who already has, like, 15 of his own children. <laughs> and she has, like, five surviving. And then she pops out another five. <laughs> <laughs> and then Heinrich dies, so she marries for a third time. And he's, like, got eight kids of his own. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started a sitcom. <laughs> this is Life with Dieter. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we are talking about a buddy cop, cop comedy. Your family tree's held together with duct tape. <laughs> Look, there's not a lot of people to breed with when you have like this weird ass religion that nobody understands. <laughs> Wait, you don't baptize <laughs> your children right away? The fuck? Ugh. Speaking of weird ass religions, this okay, do south. It has a mounty. Yeah. Okay. So the premise of the show is, okay, bit of a history. So the show came out back in the 90s. It was a big hit up here in Canada. It was a decent sized hit up uh, down in the States, but it got canceled like twice. <laughs> and I think it only got like three seasons seasons in total. And then like um, one of the main characters, Ray Vecchio, the original Ray, he had to drop out due to scheduling issues. So they got a different guy named Ray Kowalski. And, um, so apparently in the fandom, there's a bit of a battle between the Rays. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) It's Kirk and Picard all over again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the one constant is, of course, Constable Benton Fraser of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and his whole weird-ass backstory, where he is, like, every single Canadian stereotype you can think of, especially when it comes to Mounties. I did look up the show when I figured out which one you were doing. Yeah. All I remember from it is... It got more seasons in Canada than the States, the cast yeah. change, and Ghost Daddy. Oh yeah, there's Ghost Dad. Because <laughs> let's just throw in a dash of magical realism in here, and Benton just talks to his dead father sometimes. <laughs> Not sometimes, it's actually fairly frequently. Not like once an episode, but you know. Oh, hey, dead dad. <laughs> <laughs> Always giving some cryptic information. And advice and making me look like I'm talking to myself and I'm a fucking crazy person in the middle of Chicago. <laughs> but they couldn't have just called it Ghost Mountie. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, the plot. Um, so Constable Benton Fraser is up in the Yukon and he begins a persona non grata because he stops a, uh, I guess it's a hydro dam from being built because it might destroy the environment and all that. And also the people building it are like... This is pretty much um look if you're if you're a Canadian listener who's really into politics if I make the reference to SNC Lavalin you'll totally get what I'm talking about and if you don't like myself uh, I'm just going to assume that the There's a current was... scandal going on involving the former justice minister oh, <laughs> and great. why she was uh she quit Ooh yeah See, I just rely on you to give me the important cliff notes <laughs> when it comes to our stuff. Anyway, I'm I'm just assuming that the dam builders are just walked right out of Fern Gully. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Though, if this was played realistically, they would be like a bunch of Montreal uh, vague, might be mafia guys. Trust me, half of the political scandals in Canada, because we are that boring, involve a construction company in Quebec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The sponsorship scandal, the building of the Canadian Pacific Railway back in the 1800s that got our first prime minister basically canned the first time. Every time I learn something new about Quebec, it just sounds more and more like Mad Max. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Oh, Quebec. You special, special place. So anyway, yeah, Benton Fraser... Uh, he unfortunately becomes a persona non grata and basically gets kicked down to work at the consulate in uh, Chicago. And also, uh, somebody murdered his dad, and he he takes the job in Chicago partially because he got kicked down there, partially because he thinks that the that the killers are down in Chicago or have some connection down there. Did the dad die in Chicago? I don't remember. 
Because I feel like if the dad died in Chicago and then they sent him to Chicago, but they said, but don't... It would be a conflict of interest or whatever, yeah. but like, there's some things I'm going to change about yeah. this. What, what are you... Ch- changing the plot, Lindsay? What kind of podcast do you think this is? <laughs> yeah, so basically Benton Fraser is the embodiment of every single stereotype you can think of of Mounties. Now, in the first two seasons, he actually wears some sensible clothing uh, when, you know, acting as a police officer most of the time. The third season, they stick him in the Red Surge the entire fucking time. <laughs> Which, for all of our non-Canadian listeners, the Red Surge is only used for parades. Is there a, is there a scene where he, like, opens his closet and it's just and a whole bunch of identical copies of the uniform? There probably is. <laughs> there probably is. And also, there's a running gag in the series where... Benton and whichever Ray, whichever season you're watching, they will be like dumpster diving or going through somewhere dirty. And like Ray will come out like all, you know, gucky and gross and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and Benton is just like immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> he is Teflon. <laughs> it's the magic of the RCMP. <laughs> yes. Not a speck of dust to be seen. <laughs> so. We are going to keep that. That is fucking hilarious. But I am going to inject a little bit more realism into um, into the series, like Benton's reasons for being in Chicago. You know, still investigating dad's murder and all that, but... Are you, get ready, are you, getting, are you getting rid of Ghost Daddy? No, I'm going to keep Ghost Daddy because, again, oh, that's, that's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Because, see, you, listen, you do what you want, but if I was doing this, I would make Ghost Daddy the center of it. I would make this full Mountie medium here. <laughs> I am also going to be changing a whole bunch of genders and sexualities. Baller. Are you going to put Benton with one of the rays? Uh, maybe not, but I'm going to make both of them female. Okay, I can yeah. dig it. And I'm kind of combining uh, Ray Vecchio and Ray Kowalski into one character. Like, Wonder Ray powers activate. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Benton Fraser, I'm still keeping the name, and she just explains. Look, that was my father's idea. Okay, they wanted a Benton. They were gonna have a Benton. The first Benton died, so they <laughs> named me Benton. <laughs> they changed it on the birth certificate. <laughs> Which, who was the artist where that actually happened to them? (laughs) I I want to say it was Van Gogh. Yeah, it was Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah, he had an older brother named named Vincent who died. So they popped out another kid and named him Vincent. And then they took him to the grave and said, you're him now. (laughs) And also, okay, so there's this... uh, Netflix series called The Last Kingdom and it's based off of a series of books by Bernard Cornwall and it's all set during like the Viking era um, during like the Danelaw and all that in England and the main character is named Uhtred but he was born Osberg because okay his older brother actually his older half brother died fighting the Vikings so his dad is like you're Uhtred now priest baptize him and now he's Uhtred <laughs> <laughs> also his dad is named Utrid, so <laughs> so anyway yeah Benton Fraser now a lady my only requirement for the actress is that uh, she has the body of Gal Gadot basically okay yeah like Paul Gross who played Benton like back in the day pretty pretty very pretty so anyway yeah Benton Fraser I want an Amazon player basically <laughs> so basically still on the trail of her dad's killer. Um, I'm not too sure about the consulate position because I don't know if there's still a, a consulate, a Canadian consulate in Chicago. But what I did read is that the RCMP does have these um, like various, I guess, stations or outposts or whatever in various other countries that they use to like kind of act as a liaison and assistant detectives for crimes involving Canadians or have a Canadian connection. And they have a couple down in the States, like in Miami, New York, Washington. Is there a... RCMP consulate station in Riverdale. There should be. To help them solve their maple syrup crimes. (laughs) 
the sacred maple grove. The syrup must flow. The syrup must flow. <laughs> Forget about the Dune remake. <laughs> the current Dune is Riverdale. <laughs> Calling it now at the end of this season, Jughead's just going to turn into a fish man. <laughs> Archie is the Kwisatz Haderach. <laughs> then who's the... Betty must be the... Be- the Must be a member of the Benny, Benny Jesuit then. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway. Benny's down in, in Chicago. Instead of the whole convoluted, oh yeah, stopping a power plant being built up in the Yukon and becoming a persona non grata up there so I basically got kicked down here it's just like yeah I took this job because like it sounded cool secretly I'm searching for my dad's murderers a lot easier to deal with yes so okay so here's my first question for this how long did the search for the murderers take in the original series I want to say it was almost the entire series oh really okay yeah so it would possibly be something along the lines of Castle, where, like, the hunt for... Wait, did you ever watch Castle? I watched episodes. Okay. Well, one of the major through lines for the first, I think, five or six seasons. I think about seven seasons, but we don't talk about the seventh season, because that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> or the last season. The very last season was BS. Anyways, uh, one of the major through lines through most of the series was the hunt for Beckett's mother's killer. Okay. And so... Yeah, I guess we're just, that's a very complicated way of saying it. it'd be something like that, where yeah. a majority of the series would be the hunt for the dad's killer, and it could even be like, oh, it's just a normal case of the week, and then they find the one connection, like, oh my god, it ties into this whole other thing. Yeah, like, there could be mob connections, there could be whatever, like, it's Chicago. You can, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that happens in Chicago. Yes. So, then there's Ray Vecchio. I renamed her Ramona, but she goes by Ray. She is the tomboy of her family, but, like, I thought, okay, this might be a bit of something that has been done in other series. I don't know, but, um, basic, Ray Vecchio has two sisters named Francesca and Maria. So, in the original series, Francesca ended up working as, like, the receptionist at uh, the precinct that Ray and Benton worked at, but I decided that she was going to be... A firefighter who has the hots for Fraser, and Maria, aka Mimi, is an EMT. And I thought that the Vecchios were just going to be like drama llamas, all of them. We are the Justice Family. <laughs> Justice Family, but we are also like big voice Italian Hispanic Catholic family. <laughs> Mom likes the dogs more than us. <laughs> <laughs> the immediately take charge family. Yes. If, if you want to keep this case, you better hope the Vecchios don't get an ear on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, oh boy, the dinners at the Vecchios. <laughs> Just like the classic, like, they're all starting to bicker and do all, you know, the snide remarks and it's getting louder and louder and Benton is just quietly eating watching this, like... <laughs> Oh no, well, Benton's a guest, so while she is, like, watching all the drama go down, Mama Vecchio is probably just keeping more and more food on her plate. <laughs> Here you go, dear. Or Nona Vecchio does that while, like, Mom is all being like, I am so shocked, shocked that you, you would bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's much in line with the Portuguese family, where my aunt... <laughs> Her number one concern when people show up at her house is that everyone is eating. Yes. <laughs> and that is rubbing off on her great can kids in the wrong way. Because, like, one of them came into the kitchen to get snacks over Christmas. And they, like, wanted to dish themselves. Because, like, they're, they're two years old. They're a big kid now. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm watching them. And, like, I keep my hands behind them as they're climbing this stool, this chair, so they don't topple over head over yeah. tea kettle. Yeah. Um... And they, like, have their own little bowl. And, like, okay, now just don't take too much out of the snack bowl. Just take a little bit. And they see the snack bowl. And they put their bowl down and just (laughs) grab the snack bowl and start to walk away. And, like, no! That's not how it works! (laughs) Also, a fun fact. My two young... My cousin's youngest kids. They're, like, they're both... They're the two-year-old twins. Yeah. They've decided that their thing is cleaning. 
Oh. So they both got toy vacuums for Christmas. <laughs> and there were several points over like both Christmas and when I saw them in January where they'd like just grab some like rice crisps or whatever, like toddler chips and just yeah. take a bowl and dump it on the floor and then grab their toy vacuums and just run over them back and oh, forth. These oh vacuums no. do not suck. They're toys. They make noises, but they don't actually clean anything. But the kids are cleaning meanwhile, as they grind all of these chip <laughs> dust into the carpet. <laughs> uh, yeah. At least my mom let us use, like, the actual vacuum. Or, you know, would clean it herself after yelling at us. Yeah. Yeah. One time I was a real shitty kid, and when my mom was vacuuming, I just, like, hawked a huge loogie on the carpet. Oh. And she was like, what did you do that for? And I'm like, well, you can vacuum it up. Oh. I was three. I didn't have morals yet. Yeah. Um, so when I was probably not yet two, but I was walking, we were living in Halifax at the time, and we were living in one of those split levels. Mm-hmm. So you got the, uh, one set of stairs that go up to like the kitchen living room and the bedrooms and then the other one that goes down to the basement and we yeah. were repainting at the time and the uh stairs were carpeted and not quite one-year-old me pushed the bucket of paint down the carpeted stairs <laughs> <laughs> my father came home and rescued me before my mother could kill me <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't mention the paint can, I would have. I thought you were about to say that you pushed your brother down the stairs. <laughs> no, he wasn't around yet. Yet. <laughs> Did you ever push your brother down the stairs? No, but we had like the big easy chairs and all that. We used to rock them back and forth on the cement floor of our unfinished basement in Saskatoon. Uh huh. And that was how Ryan smashed open his head the first time. <laughs> The other times it was his own fucking fault. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, uh, anyway, Vecchio, the other source of drama in Vecchio's life is uh, her ex, Assistant District Attorney Stella Kowalski. So yeah, it's the usual, oh yeah, my ex is a fucking lawyer. <laughs> and uh, she deals with a lot of her cases. Yeah, she's lesbian. Uh, Fanny is uh, bi. I'm going to just put that as bi. And um, I was thinking that Mimi could be ace. Okay. Yeah. Like, maybe at one point they joked that she was thinking about becoming a nun. That would have made her mother proud. But no, she decided to become an EMT, which is, you know, still good. She's mm -hmm. still the angel of the family. Mother's favorite. Totally do not have a complex about this. <laughs> <laughs> the sibling rivalry will be real. Yes. <laughs> and of course, dad was just like, I am the deadbeat father of three very loud girls in a very small house with one bathroom. Ah, uh, he wouldn't be like a retired cop or something? He would have been a retired cop. I, I don't want to make him a completely shitty dad, but you <laughs> know, he spent a lot of time in his... Uh, chair with a beer while his daughters were screaming their head heads off at each other as i hear sisters are like i wouldn't know i have a younger brother uh yeah i don't know that trope just seems so overdone yeah i mean it was overdone years ago so even bringing it in today like i'm think i was thinking maybe uh the dad like he's a retired cop but he's reached the point where he's just like you girls sort it out for yourselves yeah <laughs> he's like, fr from birth his parenting style was you started this problem, you finish it. Yes. The only time he intervened was when one of them tried to finish it with a cinder block <laughs> or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, big Italian Chicago guy, like, grabs all three of them when they're little. <laughs> Just about ready to claw each other and is like, <laughs> you go here, and you go here, and you sit right here. And you all think about what you done. <laughs> Whereas Benton Fraser was no problem at all. The other thing I noticed when I looked up the show is that Benton has a dog. Yep, Diefenbaker. Now, I'm not entirely sure about making Diefenbaker half wolf. Balto. But a husky. <laughs> Just full husky, full Siberian husky. <laughs> if people don't know, huskies are very dramatic dogs. 
Oh yes, I've seen vi- my mom's favorite genre of dog video are husky videos. <laughs> oh, there was this one I saw on YouTube of a husky that was having a temper tantrum because he couldn't have a bath. <laughs> It was just like howling while his owner was like, come on, we need to go for a walk. We need to go for a walk. Would you get out of the tub? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, because huskies don't bark. They howl. (laughs) They warble. (laughs) There's there's one of two huskies who are having an argument. And someone subtitled it. <laughs> so it's like, where did you put my toy? <laughs> well, I was playing with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in the backyard. Yeah. And I buried it. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I love huskies. <laughs> now, would. Would Diefenbaker have conversations with Ghost Daddy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Diefenbaker would have conversations in quotation marks with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he would be the loudest husky ever. <laughs> and like the cops at the precinct would, you know, do the whole thing where you realize that you're talking to your animal and it's kind of ridiculous because it can't really understand you, but you still do it anyway. <laughs> there should be an episode where we play with this to the point where people are starting to think Diefenbaker is sentient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like have have a shot that heavily implies that Diefenbaker has filed all the paperwork for the case already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. This isn't my signature. Well, it's not my signature either. And then they both look at the dog. <laughs> He's got a pen in his mouth. Like, what? What? <laughs> They're looking at the murder board. They're looking at the murder board and Diefenbaker just walks up with like a photo and a magnet clip in his mouth and just stands up and clips it on the board. And they're like, of course. <laughs> Diefenbaker, want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a weird thing, because it has to happen at some point, but what if Do-Self, the reboot, Do-Selther, um, what if it crossed over with My Favorite Murder? <laughs> yes! Like, Karen and Georgia show up for... An, murder a, like, fest, a, or whatever. Like No, they show up for a live show, and then while yeah. they're there, there's a murder. <laughs> and for whatever reason, they brought Elvis. <laughs> And Steven somewhere, too. (laughs) Steven! Have have a scene where, like, Diefenbaker and, like, Elvis are making noises at each other, and it goes on (laughs) for a really long time. And then it cuts to, like, everyone watching them from, like, the other side of the glass, and they're like, what are they doing? I think they're discussing the case. (laughs) Or how to get more cookies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so anyway, the actual structure is pretty much, you know, your usual buddy comp case per episode. There's some dramatic stuff and all that, like, especially about the stuff involving Benton's dad, but a lot of other funny stuff, like how everybody finds Benton attractive, like not in a creepy way, but it's like, they're all like, ooh, she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, in the original context, it was, ooh, he's hot. Yeah. But as I said, I'm making the main characters female just because, yeah. I want to. And there's not enough body comedy shows, or buddy comedy, buddy cop shows. A body comedy is something completely different. Yeah. But to be fair, most of the buddy cop shows are also fairly comedic. Yes. Um, No, but yeah, yeah, I I get what you're saying. A lot of them are guy guy. Yeah, because this is also like a classic, like, straight guy, funny guy sort of setup too. I mean, that's what, that's something I was going to bring up at some point is that it is very easy to reboot any kind of buddy cop show or just crime procedural in general. Yeah. Because all you really need from the original is just a specific flavor of straight cop and cowboy cop. Mm Mm-hmm. So like in this case, Vecchio is just like a pretty grizzled uh, Chicago cop. 
or Chicago detective. Um, their rank system is kind of odd, in my opinion, but okay. They're like a plain clothes, though. Yeah, and they're all plain clothes. And then you have the uniform Benton Fraser, who is very by the book. Yes. Except her playbook and the previous one, his playbook, is the Canadian playbook. And then most of the repartee, like, there's a lot of differences between the U.S. and Canada and all that. And yeah, we're going to bring that up, too. But I would say have Benton, you know, dispel a lot of myths about Canada. Like, no, it's not perfect. We have a shit ton of problems up here. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly your flavor of problems, but, you know, the Anna Karenina principle. Every happy family is alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Yes. Every unhappy, every unhappy country is unique and every happy country is socialist. Yeah. Every happy, every happy nation is literally in Scandinavia. Yes. <laughs> there is a reason why I'm okay with moving to Norway. God, me too. Yeah. I, I'm down. I mean, I, I deal with Saskatchewan winters already, so it's not like going a little bit more north. Yeah. It's going to make a big impact. Yeah, like, I've been re-listening to some old episodes of Last Podcast on the Left. They did a three-parter about the Norwegian black metal scene and the church burnings and all that sort of stuff. It, it's pretty crazy stuff. But the, here's the thing about these fucking lame-ass goths. Okay, they're all goths who have nothing to rebel against because it's too nice in Norway. <laughs> Like, you then listen later to the three-parter they did about Biggie and Tupac's murders, and, like, those guys had actual fucking problems and grew up tough. Like, Tupac's entire childhood is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. But then Berg Vickerson, yeah, he came from an upper-middle-class family with free education, <laughs> and all those fucks in Norway could, like, sit around, make music, talk about being evil. And dress like fucking orcs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've got opinions, okay? You, you take a black metal song and translate the lyrics. It's just, it's just everything is awesome. <laughs> I really like our free healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I do want to point out that you did equate Biggie and Tupac to goths, which I get the metaphor you were making, but I do also want to point well, that out. I'm doing a point of comparison about like. You know, the guys in Norway, they're trying to rebel against something, but there's really nothing to rebel against because it's yeah. so good there. Whereas, yeah. like, the rap scene, like, there's actual problems, deep-seated problems that have yet to be solved and probably will never be solved. Well, we might solve them one day. Well, I, I take a more cynical view of people, so. Yes, I am aware of that. Yeah. I do, I, I'm cynical about people, but I'm optimistic about the world. Does that make sense? <laughs> I guess you see the greater good in humanity in general, and I'm or like, actually, mm. It usually turns out I'm cynical about people until I hear other people being cynical. Like, no, no, you take that back. We're beautiful. Because we, yeah. we, we have the power. We have the potential. But, you know, I've also said, like, I had a conversation with my dad about some other, like, historical awfulness, and I'm like, my opinion, like, depending on when and in what mood you ask me, will change about this particular topics. Yes. Yeah. Depends so, on how recently I was on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is the new Tumblr. <laughs> well, yeah, because everyone moved there. That's where yeah. I get all my quality shit posts. Yeah. Street like, weird fucks. <laughs> like, uh, there's some great content on Twitter, but at the same time, my faith in humanity just, like, why do I even bother? It's like, it's okay. It's, <laughs> I will probably say that social media is bad unless I hear someone else say social media is bad. I'm like, no, social media has united the world in a way that nothing ever could before. Yeah, and I'm like, bring on the EMP, son, please. The solar flare, we need the solar flare. Anyway, yeah. So basic structure of your usual police procedure in a buddy cop system what or like buddy cop setup. You have the very deeply cynical, grizzled Please, kind of by our own rules. I'm almost, I'm almost evolving Ray Vecchio to be a bit more like Rosa Diaz in Brooklyn Nine Nine. She has an axe. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was elbow deep in Pinterest making mood boards for OCs. Nice. And I did realize that one of them is Stephanie Beatriz playing Cynthia Rothrock. <laughs> 
Awesome. And then Benton Frazier, like, I'm going to keep her a bit more nuanced and try not to devolve into RCMP stereotypes, like, especially the older ones where it's like, Canada is this mystical fairyland of awesomeness. And I'm like, no, no. Mm-mm. She even acknowledges that the RCMP has done some pretty shitty stuff. Oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, the Highway of Tears, we could have, we still fail at that one. Hard. Wasn't the RCMP also behind, like, our one official human rights violation designation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, also how the... Red River and, um, wait, no, that was pre-Confederation. Yeah, that was pre-RCMP, was the Red River. So the Northwest Rebellion, the handling of the Northwest Rebellion, that's another one of those, that doesn't, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the whole treatment of First Nations peoples and... Yeah. Listen, I think it's also a given that if we, if we make anything or address anything that has to do with cops on this show, that... Just assume that there's going to be at some point where they address that it is a very corrupt institution. Yeah, like, uh, like, okay, as someone who does listen to true crime and, like, there are fucking monsters out there. Yes. Who, there are the Ted Bundys out there who do not think that the rules apply to them and will do whatever the fuck they want. And those people need to be got. Mm-hmm. They need to go away, and that's, you know, a good thing to have the police for, because their job is to find these people. Yeah. We need some, there needs to be some manner of law enforcement system, but the ones we have... In general, I... Well, I think, too, like, there's a lot of issues with, and we could probably bring this up in the series, um, because I've had a lot of conversations with my dad about this, and his opinion is that we have people who are beat cops, like people on the street and patrolling for way too long. Mm-hmm. Like there should be a cap at about five to 10 years because you see people at their worst. Yeah. And that does breed a lot of really bad, like your ex- expectations of people are so low that you almost don't care anymore. And it does for certain people reinforce stereotypes. Yes. Well, also just society in general reinforces stereotypes. Yeah. There needs to be, it needs to go like prison reform, then law enforcement reform. Because law enforcement's such a mess. Like, I don't, it's hard for me to buy into the all cops are bastards mentality, but I also yeah. don't fault anyone for holding that mentality, yeah. especially yeah. Like, when I, you see I'm, all the BS that happens. Yeah, like, I'm the same, but, you know, it's the whole, like, I want to support the cops who are genuinely looking out for the citizens, but... Let's face it, there are some fucking terrible cops out there who Absolutely. are on power trips. Or, and there are, pl- there are plenty or, of cops who would be good, except they turn a blind eye to the bad ones because it's this whole, like, brotherhood thing. Yeah, it's the whole uh, blue line of silence, or the blue Ugh. wall of silence, and, you know, the you only gotta good protect blue lines your own. The, the, only thi- the only thing that has good blue lines is Tron. <laughs> yeah. Any and, other thing that brings up a blue line, I'm like, oh, I'm concerned. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, part of Vecchio's own cynicism about being a cop is that, like, I have to deal with old-timers who don't like me because, A, I'm female, B, I'm gay, and C, like, I call them on their bullshit. Like, I have been stuck at detective for years now, and, like, I, I like being a detective. I feel like I am trying to do something good for Chicago and the area that I'm in. But at the same time, it is frustrating when I have to deal with these other detectives who, like, don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, there's another problem is just, like, sheer laziness at times. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't want to handle missing persons cases. Or, like, who cares about the dead sex worker? Yeah, anything with minorities. It's so easy for them to just brush aside and say, oh, well, this is just what happens. Yeah. M- m- marginalized groups go missing or marginalized groups turn up dead. It's That's just the way of life. Like, no, it's not because you're not doing your jobs. Yeah. And there's somebody like, like I get the sentimentality of saying, oh yeah, they were this, uh, like, especially when it comes to female victims, like she was a daughter or a mother or whatever. And it's like, first and foremost, she was a fucking person. She, him, they, they were somebody. Yeah. 
but but it is always brought up with women. They never say, "Oh, it's such a tragedy. He was someone's son." Yeah, it's like no, it's it's his own merits that it's a tragedy. Whereas we have to find another reason for it to be a tragedy when a woman dies. Mm-hmm. So then, how about? Okay, let's let's be clear. This is still aside from those points where they highlight the issues with the system. This is still going to lean towards a comedy. Yeah, for the most I part. Feel. So yeah. it'll be it'll be more along the lines of Brooklyn Nine Nine, where they address it in passing. But for the most part, they're they're the they're... cops that <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine are the cops that we deserve, and they're yes. like the, the idealized television cops that exist in the the fairyland where cops actually do their jobs properly. Mm-hmm. Um, except apparently, even even in the show, they're like, no, it's only the Nine Nine that is decent. Sometimes it seems in that show. <laughs> yeah. Um. But so how about instead of doing the buddy cop formula of we have cowboy cop and we have by the book cop, we have Ray as like the cop that knows how to bend the rules in her favor and break them when necessary to get the job done in the sense of the spirit of the law, not the letter of yeah. it. And, and like she dated a lawyer for a while. So yeah, she actually does know the rules. Mm-hmm. And so then Benton coming down and she can... It can be a situation where she can talk a big talk about the issues with the system and the corruption, but for the most part, she's coming from a place of privilege. She she comes from privilege. Yeah. Like, she comes she, from a family of RCMP officers, and also, like, Canada, you know, very different problems. Yeah, so she... And, like, so she can talk about not buying into this idea that Canada is just a wonderful place, cut and dry, that's it. But she's never really experienced firsthand those issues cropping up and having to deal with something like this person I've worked with for 10 years is just casually brushing a huge missing persons case to the side because they've decided that this black sex worker, well, she just disappeared, doesn't have to worry about it. So she doesn't, Benton's never had to deal with a situation like that. And Ray can be like, you probably have, but you never had to confront it the way I do. Well, like, I'm I'm also thinking, like, Benton is still a constable, so maybe she's fairly fresh out of uh, depot division, too. Like, maybe she's only got, like, a couple of years in. Like, oh, okay. she's talented, for sure. Like, got high scores on a whole bunch of stuff, and everybody likes her, and, you know, has high praise for her, and sees a lot of potential in her. But again, she's, like, not even out of her 20s yet. So then it's, it becomes a little bit of Benton learning how to bend the rules and when they need to be broken. Yeah. From the, a seasoned rule breaker. Yeah. So let's say Vecchio is late 30s? Yeah. Like, if we, let's, let's slam like a decade between them. Yeah. So like, Vecchio is 36 and Fraser's 26. Yeah, that seems about right. And like... What are the requirements for the RCMP? Because I think it's a bit more intense than, you know, some other police forces. Like, you do have to have some sort of uh, uh, bachelors. Bachelor and horses. <laughs> I know someone who joined the RCMP solely to join the musical ride. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I admire her gumption. <laughs> and the musical ride is fucking awesome. And also, speaking of music, they had a really great soundtrack. Like, really great 90s Canadian stuff. Like, okay, Blue Rodeo. A lot of hip? Not as much hip as there should have been, but there was quite a bit of Blue Rodeo and, uh, not Arrogant Worms, uh, Spirit of the West and a whole bunch of other stuff. They There's a Wikipedia page. I think they came out with a couple of albums for, for the show. Anyway, yeah, keep up the tradition of showcasing really great Canadian artistic talent. Yes. I searched for Due South soundtrack and the very first result is a song called Horses. Okay, <laughs> so another song on that that was on the list of songs that appeared in Due South is a one called Holy Tears. Okay. By Tara McLean. Oh. But instead of having like an album cover for the song, <laughs> there's a screen cap of Jen Scott's from Power Rangers Time Force. <laughs> because I guess the number one result is an AMV. <laughs> For Jen and Wes from T Power Rangers Time Force, set to Holy Tears. <laughs> we will find a Power Rangers connection. So, yeah. 
I think we're coming up on time. Anything else you want to add to Mighty Morphin Mountie Rangers? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe throw in some actual sports rivalries. We might have to get Ryan on that one. But like for a time, the Blackhawks, the Chicago Blackhawks were a really good hockey team. But now apparently they're bottom tier. Oof. Yeah. Rip. So if if the show were produced this year... We could have had Benton make some sort of quip about that. I mean, they're called the Blackhawks, and I sincerely doubt they have any input from actual Blackhawk Nation members. So I'm not going to pity them. Yeah. But hey, there are other teams, you know, there, there's the Bears. They're a football the Bears. team. The Bears. And the Cubs, who are finally winning stuff after a hundred <laughs> something years because of a fucking coat. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I just, I just made that connection that Chicago has a team called the Cubs and a team called the Bears. Yeah. Was that planned? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Do, when, when the Bears members have children, do they have to join the Cubs before they can join the Bears? <laughs> Again, we're going to have to call Ryan on that one. <laughs> Ryan! What is sports? <laughs> Ryan, what is a sport? <laughs> Ryan, could you give us a lowdown on the Chicago sports situation? Because they've also got another baseball team, the Black Sox. Or White Sox. Yeah, White Sox. Because they were called the Black Sox because of a... Um, they fixed the World Series, allegedly, in 1919. Okay, then. Yeah. Baseball used to be a lot more corrupt. Yeah, sounds like. Yeah. It, it was kind of like boxing for a while, and then it was okay, and then, you know, steroids happened. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Benton is a bit more of a nerd than she lets on. Well, they d maybe they'll just have a full, like, Blues Brothers style. Yeah. <laughs> they have to at Chicago. Yes. I don't know what Chicago roads are like. Are Chicago roads anything like Quebec roads? No, but they're really narrow. Hmm. I know that they're really narrow. Because I've driven through the- well, I didn't drive myself, dad drove, but like, we've been to Chicago. There's a lot of one-ways. Also, uh, Chicago is basically Gotham. Huh. Yeah, well, uh, part of that is, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy because they filmed there, but like, oh, honestly, yeah. like, the really old uh, skyscrapers, like, they had the OG skyscrapers. They were the first city to really have them. And they do have kind of a gothic flavor to them. Also, this is the city where H.H. H. Holmes had his murder castle. A murder castle? <laughs> okay, it was actually a hotel, but he had rigged it to murder people to steal people's shit. <laughs> is this what American Horror Story was about? <laughs> Probably. Look, I say this repeatedly. Go listen to the last podcast on the left. They got a multi-parter on H.H. H. Holmes. It is great. He almost set up another murder castle in Texas, and he would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for him deciding inexplicably, because he's a fucking sociopath, to steal horses. Lindsay, we're, <laughs> our time is up, and you can't just end telling me that there are two murder castles. <laughs> Not one, but two whole... <laughs> Gee, Holmes, how come your mom lets you have two murder castles? <laughs> because he's evil like that. <laughs> and as I said, he would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for horse theft in Texas. <laughs> Those meddling horses! <laughs> hey, don't steal horses down there. They're actual fucking cowboys. They'll go after you. It's a hanging fence. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Oh, so why? yeah, the other thing I forgot to mention. So in the OG series, Benton is a fan of curling. I'm going to keep that. And then there will be like, why are you interested in this? This is boring. And Benton's like, but this is chess on ice. Listen, you curling, curling might be boring for some people to watch, but isn't really intense to play. Oh, yeah. I played curling when I was little. And yeah. Also, house champ. Twice! Yeah, when we had a curling unit in gym, because we're in Canada, so of course we had a curling unit in yeah. gym. Yeah. When we had our curling unit, I was the skip mainly because I wanted to be able to judge people. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. I was, um, what was I? I was second. So I ended up skipping near the end. And yes, the hard, hurry, hard is real. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love okay, the Briar. Okay, so, so while I catch my breath over the murder castles. <laughs> Listen to last podcast on the left, goddammit. Um, we're going to do a quick little friend promo. Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Joe. Sugar We're Going Down podcasting is exactly what it sounds like. Each week, we get a random Fall Out Boy song and discuss it in various ways, such as... What are its merits musically? Is it a bop? Does it have chugs? It's lyrical complexity. Sometimes Pete writes a triple entendre, and sometimes he doesn't even finish the first entendre. Does the video make any goddamn sense, though? Usually, no. How gay does it make us feel? Usually... A lot of gay. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your personal podcatcher of choice and get a new episode every Wednesday until it kills us. Caitlin, is this more than you bargained for yet? Honestly, it already is. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at lindsaym476 on Twitter, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me at Sparky Upstart on Twitter, and you can find me on Instagram at Sparky Young Upstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and it is pronounced Nierf. <laughs> uh, you can also find this podcast on Instagram at Not If I Reboot You First, all one word. The hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F also pronounced nyarf hey Lindsay, do you want a hint for next week yes thanks okay hang on let me pull up my my spreadsheet that now expands beyond our one year anniversary (laughs) i am nothing if not prepared (laughs) that's why i love you tan for my next episode we are going to bend and snap (gasps) yes that sounds amazing! It will be. I, I hope it will be amazing. As I hope I will be as make people as excited as you are right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, until next time, we'll see you all later. Bye. Bye. Dad is giving you a look. Your dad's giving you looks through the windows. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> he looks like Slender Man. <laughs> Slender Dad. <laughs> oh God. That's how like seven different horror movies start. You like see someone's face in the window and you turn like, oh my God. Oh wait, it's my dad. <laughs> yeah.